0: everybody. My name is Remy. Welcome to the For The Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the For The Love podcast. I'm Jen Hatmaker, your delighted host of the show. So, As you know, we've just kicked off a new series called For the Love of Parenting, which I'm so thrilled about because we have sincerely like such a wonderful lineup of guests for you. Um, People are kind of all over the map from sort of um, experts in the field, if you will, to those who've just been in the weeds with experience for all these years. And so um, grandkids, young adults, bonus kids, we're covering the whole spectrum. We are going to make sure we kind of hit on everything. But today... Is a really special day for me because I have on the best guests to speak into parenting that I could possibly imagine. My mom and dad, Ah, Larry and Jana, in the house literally, in the house, they're at my house. Um, right now, I am I set up my mom in one room and my dad in the other, and I had to get them on all the links and do all the things because, oh my gosh, you guys, um, like my dad, you'll find this funny. Um, when I asked my dad to come on, my mom told me this morning, um, as they were coming over to my house so that I could help them know how to do this, that my dad told her, um, I'm just, I'm going to wear a nice clean sport shirt, but I'm just going to wear it with these sort of older shorts because nobody on the podcast will be able to see my shorts. I'm like, dad, nobody on the podcast will be able to see anything you're wearing you guys, my dad doesn't even know what a podcast is. He's definitely never listened to mine. And so um, I do want to put up a picture on the transcript of my dad. So at least somebody can see the nice clean shirt he wore in case you developed x-ray vision and could see through your podcast app into my actual house. And so, um, let me tell you a little bit about my parents first, before we start. If, um, if you haven't read any of my books, then, uh, you might not know them, but if you have, you probably feel like you do. So my parents have been married for 47 years, you guys. So my dad, Larry. He's a retired minister. He was a pastor for 35 years. He was a he was a, a minister of recreation, which means he built like these big family life centers onto our churches that had gyms and pools and bowling alleys and racquetball courts. And so my dad's a sports guy and used sports in ministry. So that's that was my entire childhood. We moved around quite a bit with my dad's job. Um, he went to seminary in Fort Worth. Then we lived, in, we lived in Little Rock, Arkansas for a few years. Then we lived way, way, way south home in home Louisiana for four years until we finally moved back to my parents' home. They were both born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, and lived there for my, most of my middle school and high school years. Um, and so that's, that's sort of my family. Around 2007, he and my mom moved here to Texas. Um, and he was in ministry here, and my mom was a school administrator, so speaking of my mom, my mom jana, she is retired two years now, but she was a teacher and school administrator, so she taught for nine years, and then she went back for her graduate degree in education in two thousand, so she could be an administrator um and she was an administrator all, up until two years ago so she went back to school with four kids in the house. We were in high school and middle school and elementary at the time. So, I mean, I just still marvel at that, actually. She was this prime example to me of someone um, bettering themselves and chasing a new dream um, right in the middle of still raising kids. Like, my mom's super inspirational. So, um My parents had four kids, of which I am the oldest. And um, then there's my sister, Lindsay, three years younger than me. She is the only one who doesn't live here in Central Texas. Um, She relocated to New York City about eight or nine years ago, where she went to culinary school and is still kind of in the kitchen. Um, Word on the street is she's moving home by the end of the year, and we're thrilled because she's the only family member who flew the coop. So uh, Lindsay's up in New York, and then there's my sister, Courtney, who's three years younger than her. And she um, is amazing. And her and her husband, Zach, live about 45 minutes from us um, out in the hill country on a lake. And then there's my baby brother, Drew, and his wife, Sarah, and they live four minutes from my doorstep. And they are the ones that gave me my baby nephew, Calvin, that I talk about all the time. Dreamboat. So. This episode is super special, not just for our parenting series and not just because my mom and dad are bringing their parental street cred to the podcast, but because fun, fun, we actually opened up the floor for you, our very best listeners, to ask your questions for my parents. If there was anything you ever wanted to know, we put this out for you a couple of weeks ago um, to ask us anything and you put in some great questions. And so um, you'll be hearing the voices of some of the amazing listeners listeners of the show during the podcast and my parents are going to answer them and I don't know what the questions are and just oh my gosh. So you guys are going to love this. <laughs> like we talk about everything and we howl with laughter and at one point my dad is screaming at the dogs and I mean it's just it's it's hilarious. So this this whole conversation is full of laughs and wisdom and a few really tender moments, and my parents are like the actual best, and this is the longest podcast I've ever recorded. So this is a good one for a nice long drive, for a nice long walk, for a nice long um, afternoon of chores. Whatever it is you're doing, settle in, because you're not going to want to miss it, because some of the very, best stuff is at the very end. And so anyway, I cannot wait for you to hear from my mom and dad currently sitting, um, in various places in my house. Um, and my dad in a very lovely sports shirt that he wishes you could see. So you guys help me welcome to the show, my mom and dad. Okay. (laughs) I would like to welcome to the show, mom and dad. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. <laughs> okay, everybody. So um my mom is Jana, like I already told you. And for the purposes of this podcast, we're gonna call her mom for the rest of it.
0: That that'll be
1: interesting. <laughs> That's right. You're just gonna be mom on the podcast, and then dad is Larry. And I am so tickled <laughs> to have you on the podcast. Um I don't really know what what you're going to say and i've just i've just committed it to the universe um, and so um i think it will be fun so thanks for coming on today you guys
0: well we're thrilled to be here and just just as an aside um my understanding is that this podcast is going to be played on your birthday in I august i
1: told the same thing
0: and so i just think that maybe we need to talk about how we felt when we were ready to have you.
1: Oh, oh. well, let's I, I'm i interested in hearing this, too. So, by the way, that was 44 years ago today. Yes. Does it feel weird to have a 44 year old?
0: I prefer to not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to, to tell people that I still have children in their 30s.
1: <laughs> well, you do technically. Do. You do. Two of them. Yes. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about that. August 7th, 1974. Okay. What's going down in the young marriage of young Jana and Larry King?
2: Larry, you want to take this first? Oh, you go ahead and take the lead and I'll just sort of clean up the act later. Okay. Mom, you know dad doesn't
1: really remember. This isn't his he doesn't categorize these in this in a sentimental category. This is your genre.
0: So, we of course have waited for 9 months. We don't know if we're having a boy or a girl because hello, that was before Anybody had sonograms or anything That's true. such things. And the nurse would tell me about what your heartbeat was. And probably this was a girl, but they didn't really know for sure. Because okay. they said, you know, things happen. So we are heading into the hospital in the uh, late afternoon, I think, if I remember right. And you'd been in labor for how long? Like a while? Um, Yes, but not not bad. You know, it was early stages labor because I didn't know what I was doing.
1: Well, and you know, you can't count on dad to get you through it. Um, listeners, you should know that my dad is very, very good at many, many things, but anything related to bodies or medical procedures is not his zip code. Um, so let's just, the story shall unfold as it does.
0: So when, um, I am in the, once hard labor really starts, and they're ready to move me. That was at a time that dads were not invited into the labor or into the delivery room. Oh rooms. yeah. That's so true. They wheeled me out and left Larry sitting there, so I have no idea what was going on with him. <laughs> Actually,
2: <laughs> I felt sort of relieved Because I didn't want to go in. Now, I'm a farm boy and have birthed a lot of calves, but this was a little bit different. And um, so that suited me that her doc in charge was old school and thought the place for the husband was in the waiting room smoking a cigar, which I did. Everybody
1: should, let me just put this little caveat in here. My dad is telling the truth. That was the correct place for him because by the time my brother, Drew, was born, the baby of the family, 10 years later, dads were invited back into the delivery room and my dad passed out cold. So really, (laughs) really, you should, you had no place in the delivery room. You were on your own, mom, with just the doctors and the nurses. I was.
0: And you know what? What did I know? I just thought that was the, I was, I thought that was what everybody did. So I have this beautiful little squirmy girl. And (laughs) when they're ready, they wheel me back to my room where your dad is sitting. And um, he picks her up for the first time. That would be you. He picks you up for the first time. And he says, I could not be happier than to have a girl. Oh. Kingo?
2: That's cute. I'm a little bit choked up. Now, what I really said was (laughs) I was holding you, and the first thing I said was, wouldn't it be great to have about 12 more of these? (laughs) You did? Yes, my timing wasn't great on that. Your (laughs) mom wasn't quite up to par then. And then I said, I've got a pitcher for the softball team. Yes,
1: that is a fact. That was a fact. I know that you were telling the truth. My dad is a longtime softball aficionado and put us all into ball the second we could throw one. And in fact, my very first Halloween costume, what was I, two? Yep. I think when I was two, was a ball uniform with a hat with the, that I'm guessing you made, Mom, that said DLP, yeah. which of course stood for Daddy's Little Pitcher. Daddy's Little Pitcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So you would you were telling the truth on the day of my birth. That was
2: very sweet. That is um, true, and that was that was my uniform. I played Cub Scout ball in.
1: It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> Mom, do you know where that picture is? Let's dig it up and put it on the on the podcast transcript. Do you have... Any oh, you're or- so
0: cute, Jen. Do I know where it is? <laughs> it's in, oh a, my it's in a
1: bread sack somewhere in the attic. You know where it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if we can find it.
1: Okay. So listen, let's get into this. So you guys... Um, A few years ago, you may remember that I did an interview on the Today Show when I was launching For the Love, and I was on this panel with a couple of other women, and they were both like brand new moms, just fresh, shiny, like shiny new pennies, and I was this sort of veteran, already been there, done it mom, to speak a little bit of, I guess, wisdom, I don't know why I was there, um, into their lives and give them hope, and um Anyhow, looking back on that, on that interview and and sitting there with those young moms, with the babies and the toddlers, it got me thinking. So what is something that you wish someone had told you before you had kids, like way before any of us were on the scene, um, to prepare you for life with us as your children? Um, Like what, what, if you could go back and talk to your own self when you were 23 and 27 about to have a baby, about to start a family, what advice would you have given yourself?
0: Well, I'd like to say that someone said it would be okay to just relax, but they didn't Hmm. have to because we were pretty relaxed. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Totally, Mom. You did not need that advice.
0: (laughs) But to think that if someone would have said that things that we did and how we responded to all of you in different ways would shape who you became later, you know, that was kind of in the Hmm. back of your mind. But I mean, you're all you're doing is changing diapers and shoveling food into somebody's mouth. So you really didn't think about it so much as we just kind of did. We didn't really have a whole lot of We didn't have the internet to tell us what we should be doing. We just did it. totally. So since we didn't have the internet to help us with questions, what we had was best friends that had babies, and we called them, Mm -hmm. or I'd call mom, and I'd call Faye, which is Larry's mom, and I just asked questions because that's what I had to do. But actually, we just winged it. I know. I
1: actually am jealous of it. I'm jealous of the kind of laid back nature that parenting was in the 70s. I'm not, there's no perfect era. I don't want to romanticize it, but it's all so terribly precious now. And everything feels so life or death. And, um, you know, if, if the kids aren't having the most idealistic childhood, we're worried that they're all doomed. And I, mm-hmm. I I, frequently think about you and your friends who were essentially like second moms to me and just how you did it. It was just, you just raised us. I don't know. It wasn't all just so fragile. And it's it's great for me to look now and say, oh, it all just kind of stuck. <laughs> it, it, you did. You did what mattered, and here we all are. Um, What about you, Dad? Do you have anything that you would have liked to have been told? You were super laid-back, Dad.
2: I was, and I don't know that impacted me like it did maybe your mom. I never made the phone calls to my mom or or Jana's mom. I figured we'd just get by. About the only advice I remember getting is, don't wait till you can afford kids or you'll never have any grandkids. So beyond that, I just never got too worked up or excited. And like mom said, we just sort of winged it. You just do the best. You get in there and get involved and do the best uh, for the moment. It's true. You get on with life.
1: It's true. You did it and you did it well. I wonder, like, now that I'm I've kind of cycled through almost all the phases of parenting. You know, I've launched one, obviously, launching the second one in a month. Um, what age of parenting did you guys enjoy the most? Like, I'm I'm curious if you liked us when we were Babies and toddlers, like before we can talk, because that must be a real fond memory for you. Um, Or like the little years when we were cute and funny, or the teen years when we were just a mess, or adult years, like adult parenting. I don't know. Like, what, what was your, if you had to pick, and I realize that there's charming moments and parts of every phase of parenting, but if you had to say, this was my favorite phase of parenting, what would you have said, Mom?
0: Um, I probably there was two when you were in your toddler to six years old. That was fun because Mm. each one of you was experimenting and exploring and finding out so much stuff. And it was fun to watch you discover things. But to be real honest, my favorite times were. Towards the end of high school and early college, when you became adults, and we mm. could s- have actual conversations, and you didn't think I was ridiculous in whatever I said, and um, right. all four of you were were so much fun. Also, always a concern during that time too, because you were also. <laughs> launching and figuring out things on your own, which was scary. But totally. I think those young between toddler and second grade and then probably from your junior year in high school on. I I found that those to be my most enjoyable years.
2: What about you, Dad? We were a fun family. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of things together. Most things we did together as family, we could clear out a space in a restaurant around us in oh a gosh. hurry.
1: Oh, so And,
2: true. Uh, I'm thinking my favorite times were when each of you all, uh, began to participate in activities, primarily team sports yeah. and, uh, you know, I was sort of a jack of all and master of none, and so made sure you all had good skills in whatever sport you were going to play in. And I, I enjoyed that time as I saw you begin to develop, and not just on a ball field or a, uh, but also. Uh, uh, intellectually and in your studies as you grew some of you were better at the books than others and uh, uh, some were better on the ball field yeah. than others and uh, uh, but i think probably middle school and high school were my favorite times i yeah. saw you developing so much faster and quicker and the process seemed to accelerate then, as you got beyond the, the cutesy days, and you were still cutesy in your dad's eyes, so uh, uh, I believe that was the one of my favorite times because we began to lose a little of that parental uh, influence. I right. believe as you got old enough, and then left high school and went away to college, you were out of the right. home, and so uh, though, that would be my pick, Jennifer.
1: I would probably say the same thing. I I wonder about my own uh, experience as a parent, and I've said a lot of times that I absolutely love the big kid years. That is my preference. I like them. I like them in their teenage years. I think that's it's so much fun. The house is the most fun I can ever remember. It's my favorite phase of parenting thus far. And I wonder if I don't feel that way because both of you liked the teen years. And we knew it. You know, a kid knows if their parent is into them or not. And we knew for sure that you liked us when we were teenagers and thought we were funny and interesting and smart. And, uh, so I, we kind of like felt your delight in us. And so I never, it never even dawned on me that having teenagers would be some terrible thing or something to dread or be worried about or fear because those are some of our very best years. Um, even though we were a mess and I, I mean, let, let's be serious. You guys put up with some crap. So it's not like we were just great. I mean, Drew drove your Jeep into a river, uh, you know, with a with a cooler of beer in the backseat.
0: <laughs> there were moments. Th- 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 there, there were, moments, were moments, with, moments with all of you that we would go, oh, my gosh, let's just bury them and pull them out when they're 26. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, particularly... When the Jeep got stuck in the bottom of the river and the water came up into the floorboards of the car, Drew and I were hiding in the weeds over there to to get it, watching the sheriff's patrolmen until they left as they walked around the car and got their boots and pants all wet. And someone had shot the hole out of the back of the window That's with right. a 22. The world. Yes, yes, fond <laughs> memories. And, uh, and then, of course, you on the. Uh,
0: uh, in the gray
2: ghost when you snuck it out and then yeah. smashed in the back of my pickup with it when you snuck it back to the house. I wasn't an
0: experienced driver at 13, <laughs> no, as weren't. it turns out. Yes. Well, and <laughs> apparently, so, all of everybody... you enjoyed driving our cars before you actually had driver's licenses.
1: Well, you know what? We were just seeing how it felt. It was just a pre- a dry run. Um, you guys were asleep, so it was no skin <laughs> off your nose, and just wanted to see what our natural skill set was. as it That's As it true. turns out, it wasn't great. That is true. It wasn't super high um, for any of us. But yeah, so let's not let our listeners think, "Oh, well, the Kings loved having teenagers because all their teenagers were so oh,
0: good." <laughs> that if, if they'd like to, they can come and uh, personally message me, and I'd be happy to, you know, give them some more <laughs> clues as to what life was like with y'all.
1: <laughs> oh, we had such a wild family. Okay. So I told everybody at the top of the show that for this special episode, we asked our listeners to submit their questions to us like via a voicemail. So they recorded their own voices, which we're about to hear. Um, they absolutely didn't hold back. And I have not seen these questions in advance. And so I don't know what they're going to be, but um, they are questions for you guys. So this first one is from a listener named Shocking, Jen. Um, So here it is.
0: Hey there, this is Jen from Green Bay, Wisconsin. A different Jen, obviously, although clearly my parents were just as creative in naming me as you guys were. So congrats on that. But my question is, what kind of trouble did Jen get into as a kid? And were there any times where she really did something wrong and got grounded? Thanks. Well, there was... A few times that um, stand out for Jen in oh, particular, um, we were living in in Homa, Louisiana, and Larry and I were gone somewhere. I'm not sure where because we usually didn't leave y'all on your own for fear of you know That's great true. damage to our home, sure. but you um, talked Lindsay into giving her <laughs> it, giving you her money that from. Whatever she had saved, which could not have been much, but Lindsay would have done anything that you asked her to do. So she gave you her money and you walked down to the quick trip, which was not too far from our house and bought some trinket of some kind.
1: I remember, I think it was a stuffed
0: animal. I think you're right. And so when we got home, you have a new stuffed animal. And I said, where'd you get that? And, well, um, uh, Lindsay uh, gave me all of her money, and I just bought it. And I went, how did Lindsay give you all of her money? And, well, I don't know. She just did. And Oh, well, (laughs) it's a mystery. So (laughs) after interrogating Lindsay, it was uh, fairly obvious that you talked her into giving you all her money. So.
1: You don't know that she didn't want to give it to me. uh Uh-huh. You can't prove that. (laughs) She maybe just felt generous. She maybe did.
0: Anyway. She maybe did. So. Right. For your punishment, and I think you've written about this in the book, of course, but I decided that the best thing for you to do was to write, it is always best to tell the truth 500 times.
1: (laughs) and. It took you, it was the worst day of my life. No, not day.
0: It took you four days to write it because you whined and complained (laughs) every single second, and you didn't get to do anything. No going out to play, no reading, no nothing until you finished those (laughs) sentences. It was torture for you.
1: It was torture. It was torture. And I did the trick too, even where on the paper you write, it, 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 <laughs> all the way down. And then is, 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 is. But you know what? That was cruel and unusual, Mom. And it I can't was. be expected to sit there and write 500 sentences. Apparently. So
0: I drug that out. Yes, That's you do. Larry, do you remember some of the other kids and what they did?
2: Well, the question pertained to Jennifer. And so... I forgot to tell her the secret in writing those sentences. I never saw a recess when I was in sixth grade because I was always in trouble and we had to write, but we could only do it during recess. So I don't know what one was like in my sixth grade years. (laughs) but we would take an eraser and stick little stubby pencils in between those creases and space them where they would cover a line on your notebook paper. And I'm sure she realized when all of those letters for about four lines were identical.
1: (laughs) Wait a minute, Dad. You're saying you would like piece together four different pencils and write all the same word at once? Yes,
2: (laughs) And you could cover four lines at once. You have to get creative when uh, when you spend a whole entire year at your desk during recess time. Mentioning the uh, driving of the gray ghost, our beloved station wagon. Yes. I. Who were you with? Do you remember?
1: When I took it out.
2: Yes. Nikki. Nikki. That doesn't surprise me. No, it shouldn't. Um, Well, I don't know where you went, but I didn't discover that for some time, but I was out in the front yard and noticed a burn track on the yard. And I said, some (laughs) fool has got up and farmed the yard. And I realized after you, I had parked the ghost behind my pickup one time and I went out to get in it. And I noticed there was a dent in the back of my little Ford Ranger pickup and it aligned perfectly with the front of that station wagon how mysterious behind it mm-hmm. and I could see where you had hopped over the curb, burnt <laughs> the grass, carried the mud onto the driveway, and then didn't get stopped until you banged into the back of my pickup truck. Sure. And of course I think your grounding for doing that was up last week. <laughs> and um and then I remember when we lived in Fort Worth and I was at seminary. Oh, yes. We came home and Lindsay was the oh, proud no. recipient of a haircut. Oh. And it looked like she was an old scraggly dog with had the mate for about two months.
0: And if you'll remember, Larry, Lindsay was so oh. proud because, as my, oh. my little so, Lindsay, who couldn't say ours, said, Mama. Jeff will cut my hair. Oh,
1: no. And whatever, what, what I, I still feel bad about this because what everybody needs to know about Lindsay, and we'll dig up a picture, Mom, so we can post it. Okay. Lindsay had soft, pillowy, beautiful, dark curls. I mean, just beautiful. Just they the looked most, like
2: bed springs. And yes. they
1: were so gorgeous. And I cut her to the scalp. I mean, yep. I think, Mom, you told the story of coming in and seeing it all over your bedspread yes. and not being able to figure out what it <laughs> <laughs> and it
0: was. What was I five? Oh, yes, that'd be about right. Oh my so gosh, I, it was. It was bad, but sweet Lindsay. When we took her back to preschool the next day or the next week, whenever it right. was, and she walked in, and her teacher, the beloved Miss T, said, "Yes, Lindsay." Wha- what happened? And Lindsay grinned and was so excited. She said, Jeff cut my hair. Oh,
1: no. My, she's still mad at me. Of course she is. Not, we've not made up because her <laughs> hair grew in straight and never grew in curly again. Oh, kids are the worst. Oh, my gosh. All right. Listen. Speaking of us getting into trouble, I want to talk to you about this notion of kind of like a, a phrase that's been coined fairly recently is free-range parenting, um, which is just sort of this idea. We sort of mentioned touched on it earlier. Just not over managing everything, not a, not a micromanaging parent. You're not white knuckling everything to death. You're not helicopter parenting like my generation loves to do. Um, it's just sort of allowing kids. A little bit of room to live and to fail and to make their own decisions. And I think you guys gave me and my sibs tons of space for that. There was positively not always a safety net under us at all times. And and you made us pay the piper for our own bad decisions, for our own awful behaviors. Um, Brandon and I try to parent the same way. Um, I, I have to really pull back on the controlling behavior sometimes, but I I love that parenting style and we try to do the same thing. So I'm kind of interested, mom, in your take on this. Cause you were an educator. Like how many years was it, Mom? Start to finish from from 25. Uh, 25 years. So some of that was in the classroom. You worked in an alternative school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you moved into high school administration for how right. many years were you administrative? 17. 17. So I mean, you've got you logged a lot of years with teenage. Children. So I did. Um, so you've seen a lot of prime examples in school of what kind of parenting at home was either helping the kids learn accountability or what kind of parenting at home was absolutely enabling them to be awful. So I, I wonder how you would advise parents to, there's a balance here, like to instill some measure of accountability in their kids. Obviously, like if they don't turn in a big assignment, if they leave something important at home on game day and have to sit out, if, I don't know. Do, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, do you think parents do their kids favors by by bailing them out of jams already right, all the time, and sort of sweeping up their messes and and making their failures sting less?
0: I think that kids need to learn their own responsibility, and I think they need to find out that there's consequences to things that they do or don't do and so I over the years at, at school I watched a lot of both and I just just as an an aside I believe there is always a time for parents to interfere or to step yeah. in because kids are kids and and let's face it there are some teachers that don't love your kid the way you think they should true. and as you well know and mostly I believe both Larry and I always said you need to go talk to your teacher and see if you can work this out and gave it back to you to see if you could come up with a compromise with your teachers. And I think that's what parents need to do mostly. I think parents need to say you go talk to your teacher. It's not my my responsibility. You go talk to them and see if you can work out whatever it was that you did or didn't do. But if a teacher is really, well, let's face it, if they're not <laughs> communicating well with your child, then I think it's time to step in and say, we mm-hmm. we need to come to a compromise here. And um, so I, there is always a time to step in and say, we need, we need to do some work here. But
1: That's so that true. being
0: said, um, I can't tell you how many uh, parent-teacher conferences I was asked to set in and just be like a listening ear. And it usually came from the teacher who had been struggling mm-hmm. with a parent for what they were um, stepping in and trying to do for their kids. And I will tell you mm-hmm. that the one that really stands out in my mind um, this, it was an English teacher and she had, had scathing emails from this parent. And so they finally decided, decided on a time and, and she came to me and she said, would you just set in on this conference with me? She said, he really scares me. And I said, okay. So hmm. I sat in and the girl and her dad came in. And the girl had not turned in some work and swore she had, but they had gone through every paper everywhere. And this teacher was super organized. So I really okay. could not see her losing something. And the dad was furious because the girl got a B and it was the first B she had ever mm-hmm. made. And he wanted the teacher ah. to change the grade and mm-hmm. just kept saying, well, she's never made a B. And it was like, well. She has now, <laughs> and, right. and oh, I gosh. thought this little girl is going to go th- through her entire high school career and think that her dad can come in and and take care of anything that she failed to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought this she's going to leave high school and not know that failure is part is part of life, and you got to figure out how to do something. So. Um, helicopter parenting uh was always a subject of great laughter and and oh, stuff sure. among the administrators. But I just think that you need to step back and let kids fail or let kids yeah. manage their own education as far as they are able to. And I I think that puts them in really great stead for becoming responsible adults.
1: I do too and I don't know why it's so hard for us to do that. You know what I think a lot of parents are a little bit more like dad. Dad didn't love to see us struggle. You know, dad, you know, dad had some choice words for a lot of our teachers um and coaches and uh arresting officers and you know whoever was against us. Um but it's hard. It's hard. I Remy called me uh, just a a couple of months ago toward the end of the school year and just chronically had had a hard time keeping up with her ID, which as you know, you have to have at all times. And she called us from school, some parent or some teacher let her call me from her classroom phone and say, I left my ID at home again. And this had to have been the eighth time. "Um, Can you bring it to me? Because if I don't have it, I'm going to have to have lunch detention. And I was like, that's hard, isn't it? That lunch detention is going to be a real bummer, and I'm I get that you don't want to have it, and I'm I'll be thinking of you <laughs> dur- during your lunch detention. And she was just shocked that I was not going to get in my car and stop my workday and drive her her ID. But I'll tell you, that's the last time she forgot it, and so. I just I think there's something good about letting them have a sting. I don't know, dad. You kind of maybe have a tiny bit of a different approach. You're our defender to this very damn day. You still want to defend me and I'm 44 <laughs> years old. You're not great at sitting setting these battles out.
2: That's true. Uh, I've gone down several times to set them straight. Uh, even when you were in college, I couldn't quite make the trip in person, but I did by phone. My voice and number were well known. I remember. And, uh, but we let you all. Make your decisions, but accept the responsibility and the consequences. Now, anytime we felt you didn't get a fair shake, we would step in, but we didn't always just jump and always have the safety net there. Uh, we, that short changes the learning experience.
1: Yeah.
2: And yeah, you're right it shortchanges that and you think, well, parents or someone else or who you know uh, can make a, a, a call or, uh, and then pull pull your bacon out of the fire, so to speak. But you you miss, we would miss the learning opportunity when we did that, but anytime we felt it needed parental mitigation. Sure. we were Johnny on the spot, and <laughs> yes. that happened several times. You can remember the incident in high school where your teacher was unreasonable. I remember. and uh, we went down there, and that proved to be the case in our meeting with the teacher and the principal, and he got put on a uh, 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 what's it called like, huh Not probation,
1: yeah. but kind of like a yeah, I remember. And that's to mom's point. There are moments when parents need to step in. So I, you know, I think that discernment process of deciding, is this my kid's fault? Like, did my kid just blow it and they need to pay the piper? Or is this a moment where an adult needs to step in and intervene? And I think you guys were great at that. I honestly do. Like, I think about you a lot as I am now in the launching college kid phase and, I give you both a lot of credit because, um, well, in in the case of two of the kids with Courtney and Drew, both of them started college, realized it just, in the case of Drew, just not for him. That's, you know, that's just not, that's not the way he's wired. It's not the Uh way, that's not his giftings. It's just not what he loved. And, and in the case of Courtney, she just needed a, she needed a breather and she needed to come back to college a couple of years later when she was older and you did not freak out. You well, I don't think you freaked out. I don't remember you freaking out. They made those decisions. You stood by it, and they were the right decision in both cases, even for something monumental like college attendance. um, You know, you you were really um, you let both of them sort of take the lead there, and their instincts proved out to be right. I don't know. Was that harder than it seemed for watching you? I just remember thinking, "Golly,
0: my parents just are real chill about this." I think it was harder probably on me than on dad because I'm an educator and I just always thought, well, my kids will all go to college. But when like for Courtney at the end of her freshman year, when she had earned a total of three credits, D (laughs) um, and she said, mom, I just think I need to lay out for a while. I was more than happy to say you are right. That's true. You're Right. Let's just take a break. That's true. And, and with Drew, it was an entirely different set of circumstances. Yeah. But um, I also found that Drew was always good with his hands. And exactly. he loved he loved being in the shops. And yep. and that's where he spent the majority of his high school career was in the art rooms and in the um, carpentry wood room shop. and all of that wood yeah. shop. He loved that. And so it felt like, you know what, college is is probably not going to be something that's going to be vital for him. And right. and he has since said he was aggravated at me or at dad and I because we didn't force him to go back. And I said, that was your yeah. choice. And, and I said, it I'm was. not sure it was a bad choice. So those those are things when they first happen, you go, oh, my gosh, people are going to look at me and say, mm-hmm. your kids didn't finish college. And then I thought, but it's not about me. It's, it's really that's about good. my kid's choice. So a lot of times dad and I would just step back and go, you know, you make your decisions and and we'll support mm-hmm. you. We'll, we'll help you with whatever decision you decide to make. Well, that's exactly it, mom.
1: I mean, when I feel myself micromanaging something my kids have either done or they're deciding, or I want to at least control the narrative of it. It is always because, I am worried about how it's going to reflect on us as parents. It's, I mean, that's just the truth. And it's a weird time because, you know, aren't you so happy? None of us had social media when we were teenagers (laughs) and college students. Can you even imagine? Like our kids have it. And so, you know, we know now, and you know this too, that employers will do a deep dive in your social media feed. They'll find out exactly who you are. And so, you know, there's with so many extra eyes on everybody, on the kids, on the parents. um, It is true that we have a disproportionate concern about what any sort of kid's path means about their parents. And that's silly. That's not true. That's just kids. Pe- they're kids right. they're people they're they're making their own choices and uh we have a i think we have a lot to learn from your generation who um really just kind of let us chart our path with guidance of course it wasn't anarchy but um and, and i think that was the right decision in most cases so let's take another uh listener question um okay so here's the next one Hi, this is Joanne from New Brunswick, Canada. I have a question about Jen from when she was a little girl. Just wondering, how did she respond to discipline? Was she pretty sassy and snarky, or was she more um, remorseful and broken and really
0: sorry about something that she had done? Larry, you feel that one.
2: <laughs> well, let's see. If I remember the questions uh, that you just asked, uh, how did you respond to discipline? I would yeah. say you tolerated it, but <laughs> responded reasonably well most of the time. Did I? I don't remember. I, I you were you were more receptive to that. Uh, you had more of a, I don't know if work ethic is the right word or not, but uh, you always were the achiever, the striver, the one that shot for excellence and not so much with the rest of the crew. But um so
1: that's okay. Re- we'll just have dogs and trains in the <laughs> podcast. It's just how it this is real life. Just hey shut up
2: <laughs> You dog shut up, dad gummit We're in an interview here. I don't What do we pick up? We're going to leave that in, Dad. (laughs) Your sister Courtney was walking up, and they (laughs) saw her and thought it was the booger man and started barking. (laughs) I put them out. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Oh, that's hilarious. You want me to start where I was? Yeah, just wherever you were. Regarding whether you were pretty sassy and snarky, uh, well, yeah, I think you always felt you were right for the most part
1: i still think that yes yes and that
2: mom and dad were just a sort of a couple of dumb chunks on the log uh and then uh, the last part were you uh more remorseful or broken or real sorry i would have to say not usually Uh, <laughs> but you I was took just it.
1: misunderstood. Yes,
2: you <laughs> took it reasonably well. So, maybe that'll get it get it through. I wanted
1: mostly I wanted to do the right thing. You know that I did. I was kind of a straight arrow and I definitely do not want to disappoint you. My gosh. If dad ever said to me, well, I'm just really disappointed. We'll just put a nail in my coffin. The worst thing he could ever say. Um, tears. Oh Lots my tears. gosh. Please give me the belt. Um, <laughs> the worst. So I, I think I wanted to please you. I, I wanted to get it right. I, I was kind of a by the book kid, except for like stealing the car and stuff. But I, yeah, I still, I think I had that All of us, frankly, have this in us where we're like, pretty sure we're right. (laughs) We don't really have any shrinking violence in our family at all, do we? Like none of us. Not a one. We just don't. That's not our DNA um, at all. And so I I try to remember that when I discipline my kids and I get like the eye roll or the constant defensiveness and they're making their case of why we're so unreasonable. And I just try to remember that kids are stupid. And we were stupid That's true. and I'm not going to like, I'm not arguing with you, kid, just take your licks and just move on down the road. So listen, it's interesting when I think about me and Lindsay and Courtney and Drew, and I imagine you guys probably have a lot of thoughts on how we differ from each other in personality. Cause this is one thing I've learned as a parent of five, to some degree, they just are who they are. You know, there's there's not a huge difference in the way that any of them are raised. You know, they've got the same parents. They have more or less the same rules. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Um, but kids are kind of – they're born how they are, and you know this for sure. So if you had to give, like, just a quick assessment – what would you say are the qualities that are sort of unique to each of your um, four kids? Like, uh, Mom, I think you've been reading this. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations on the show about the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Have you done the Enneagram test, Mom? I did because
0: oh. I wanted to figure out what everybody was talking about. Yes. Although, here's the thing, as you know about me, I don't really care about research. And I know you don't. kind of want to know, but I really don't want to delve into it. Totally.
1: Just enough to be able to join the conversation. Right. Um, And so (laughs) I, I have self identified as a three, which as dad mentioned early is kind of the achiever. So that's not way off base, even though there's some question around what I actually am. But, um, what would you guys say? Like, so if, if I'm a three, which is sort of high achieving, like give me a goal, I want to win the prizes. I mean, you used to say that all you needed to do was dangle like some sort of award possibility Mm -hmm. in front of my face. And I would, I'd climb every mountain to win it. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So that, that, I think that's long established. I've been that way since I was born. What would you say like the rest of the kids are? What about Lindsay and Courtney and Drew? And it doesn't have to be Enneagram, but how would you just describe us? Just, I want this to be encouraging to my listeners because sometimes we're shocked by how different our very own kids are And Mm -hmm. we think, well, why is this kid like this? I parented this kid just like I parented this kid. And yet here we are. And so kids are who they are,
0: right? Right. I would say like Lindsay is, um, she's a people pleaser. She is uh, always wanting to please whoever's whispering in her ear. And which does not mean to say that she doesn't have her own strong will. She does. But she would tend more to um, being the one that I'm not going to choose where we're going to go eat. You all choose and I'll be happy with it. She's that girl. Um, Larry, what do you think about Lynn's?
2: Well, I was thinking at least when she was younger and all of the kids changed as they grew of and matured. That's true. But- when Lindsay was, say, in elementary school, I would put her, Jennifer was always the achiever throughout. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lindsay was sort of what you'd call Laissez faire. Kidding, yes. <laughs> yes. by fair. when I used to pick her up from school in Little Rock, I'd say, "Well, how'd it go, Lindsay?" And she said, "Well, Dad, it was another day in the behavior room." <laughs> and uh, so that's sort of the way I would categorize Lindsay. And uh, I don't know that that changed nope. all that much.
0: Correct. And you remember, but, you remember Lindsay coming in uh, when she was in kindergarten. And we were standing in the kitchen, we were in Little Rock, and she says, Mom, I have a question. And I said, What's that? She went, uh-huh. So, does everybody have to go to college? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's, <fine>. She's five. <laughs> like, honey, we'll decide that
1: when you get there. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. One of my favorite stories about Lindsay that fits the narrative is when she came home in elementary school, one of the grades, and it was like the the Iowa standard. What, what do you want to call Correct. it? You know, like the standard. Iowa
0: test of basic skills. Yeah, the
1: ITBS. So yeah. just, you know, the state standardized test. And it was that Scantron, you know, where you have to fill it in. And she comes home and tells everybody, well, I got about halfway through it. It was really boring. So I just filled out all the rest A's. remember something like that she just filled it or she made a design that's what it was
0: wasn't it whatever she did she said I just got tired of filling in those bubbles
2: that's what she said that's exactly what she said
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: classic classic example what about Courtney
0: Courtney was the individual she did not want to do anything that you or Lindsay had done so of course dad had her playing softball But by the time she got to high school, she was like, I don't want to play softball. I don't want to do what Jen and Lindsay did. So she ran track. Mm -hmm. And she has always been kind of the, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and we'll make it fit into whatever else. So she's been really the far more independent um, behavior-wise. Don't you think, Larry?
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. She really would do whatever you and Lindsay were not doing.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting too, because as individualistic as she probably was in the younger years, as it turns out, she's our most loyal sister, Absolutely. you know, like she's, she's become the most loyal person that you can absolutely count on. And, you know, if anything used to sort of pull her away from the path we were on back then, it's the opposite now. Like she's yes. Courtney's the one we can all kind of count on at this point. Right. And then we have the baby drew. Oh my and God. So, you know, we need to just have a whole podcast dedicated to his situation.
0: Well, yes, because you know, he just, he was a whale of an athlete. He, whatever he decided to play he did well and he was easy to coach he listened and he excelled at whatever sport he was in he loved it which of course made dad thrilled of course Um, it did but his attitude towards school was much like lindsey's it's like "Eh, if i can slide by i just will
1: (laughs) totally you know i just
0: i i gotta see i'm good i'm fine right and and our great joy for drew when he when we finally sent out graduation announcements two days before graduation, when we finally knew he was graduating.
1: Oh my His gosh. whole second semester Mess.
0: in um, high school in a senior year, we kept going, just remember, D stands for diploma. Just get Whoa. a D. We did Oh didn't my care. gosh, I can't even
2: call <laughs> <Golly. laughs> I think, I think mom might have that wrong on sending out the announcements. I believe we waited till he walked across the (laughs) state and had it in his hand, and then we (laughs) dropped them in the mailbox.
1: It was a real question mark until that day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you hear the next question because this is hilarious. Um, so I'm just going to play it and then we shall discuss.
0: Hi, Daddy and Mama. This is Courtney, daughter number three, calling from Spicewood, Texas. I was just wondering, when did you decide to stop being parents? You see, all of us girls had curfews and rules and all sorts of stuff when we were growing up, and it turns out that boys have no such thing. So, when did you decide to just give up? Thank you. Love you.
1: Bye. Don't even try to deny this Don't even try Oh For Pete's
0: sake For crying out loud He was the only boy He was the only boy on either side of our family My brother has two girls Larry's brother has two girls So finally At the end of all these girls There's this boy It was like well not only is he a boy, but he's the last one. It was like, like, eh, that's true. You know, he'll grow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on him. Sort of. <laughs> oh,
1: I remember coming home one time and I'm like a grown adult person with children. Cause Drew and I are 10 years apart and he's in high school. And, uh, we were visiting you for some reason. I can't remember. And, it's, it's late. It's a, it's a, it's 12 or 1230 at night. Drew's, I think a sophomore. I mean, he's like a 15 year old kid, maybe 14. He's not home. It's a, I'm like, where is Drew? And both of you just kind of shrugged. I don't really know. We're not, I'm like, well, is he coming home? And i was just like, it's a weeknight. I, I was unclear on the details of his whereabouts and you guys just went to bed. Like you went to bed. I think he came home at two 30 in the morning. I'm like, my jaw is on the ground because I had an 1130 curfew even in college. I mean, I just, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. Like the, the parents that I had are not the parents that drew had. And he just got to live his life. And I think what you told me, mom is like, you know what? It's just, I'm like, you just went to bed. And he said, you know, we were just tired.
2: (laughs) Larry, you want to Lucky feel that? He... Oh. <laughs> if I might interject here. Sure. Uh, we certainly felt and recognized you all were gifts from God. Uh, but we were tired. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I usually was up because I got a phone call from you know usually someone in a position of authority saying authority, i guess sure. you were expecting this phone call and i said no yes. it's 2:30 in the morning i was asleep <laughs> well we had your son down here <laughs> and his friend and uh, they went joyriding oh. one night in the jeep and totally. uh, oh, and he man. but he was
1: only 13 when he did it maybe 12 oh that's right i forgot that he detail
0: was just a baby and,
2: and <laughs> he and he wasn't Malicious. He wasn't into deep. It was just sort of ornery trouble. And it was half what yes. I got into when That's I was true that Dad. age. And so I was sort of thankful that he was as good as he was. <laughs> and, uh,
1: what a mess. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Listen, he had a fun teenage life. I'll did. tell you that right now. He
0: did. And, uh, and he's a good boy. We were a little amazed at how wonderful he came out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that he came out without having been in prison for an extended period of time. <laughs> so oh, that's true. And one of the one of the things he said the other day, I was asking him about parenting since we knew we were coming on, and he said, and and he's right. One of the things that Dad and I really emphasized all the time with all four of you was. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You cannot be friends with everybody. Right. But you have to be friendly and you have yep. to be nice and kind. And all four of you believed us. And mm-hmm. you each were so well-loved at your school with all the kids because you were kind and you stood up mm-hmm. for those that weren't the most popular that's true and that goes a long way that's some of the stuff that sticks so
1: all the shenanigans they recede because nobody stays a teenager forever but when you kind of are raised in this house of compassion where kindness is your currency and you know just respect for other people is just the standard um, that that's the kind of stuff that has staying power and I think it's really stayed with all of us Guys, we're getting some pure parenting gold here, right? (laughs) Like my dad and the dogs, classic my sister with her supportive call. Well, you know, you can't like script this stuff. So I wanted to let you know that this conversation doesn't stop here. This is just part one of my chat with my mom and dad about parenting because there was so much more they had to say. And honestly, it's full of more great stories and wisdom and encouragement and your calls absolutely made everything even better. So they'll be answering more of those questions too. So be sure and check out our next episode, a bonus episode just for you this week, where we continue with Larry and Jana, also known as mom and dad. Um, sadly, the dogs will not be making a reappearance. They've been banished to the great outdoors for the time being. I'm sorry for your luck, but thanks for listening. Hey, guys. We're back for another segment of Jen's Favorite Things. So this is the part of the show where I share about some wonderful companies that are producing amazing products and giving back to charitable organizations and really worthy nonprofits. Plus, they have exclusive discounts and extras just for you, our podcast listeners. So here are today's favorites. Guys, Elaine Turner is a fellow Texan and fashion designer who has been called the Houston handbag queen. So not only does she have gorgeous purses, she's got the cutest clothes and shoes as well. So I wore one of her Laney dresses to my son's graduation. You may have seen it. I've actually worn it everywhere. Check out ElaineTurner.com. And just for our listeners, when you check out, use the code for the love twenty to get 20% off your whole first purchase that's for the love 20 at elaine turner.com